The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1976 versus 1998. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Welcome, 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 everybody. This episode is, of course, sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment, your best choice for hard-biting special comics or magazines, whatever you need. They do a great job. Just go over and check out omahabound.com. Today, you can see all the wonderful things that they provide to include hard-to-find comics, pre-bound materials, things like that. Check out omahabound.com today. And we want to welcome you to Action Film Face-Off. I am Jared Albrick. Some call me Death Probe. And this is the show where two random ears are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of the random ears. I bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of this episode. My co-host and brother, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht, and I are both military combat vets who take our action seriously, but not too seriously. So let's have some fun. Yes, indeed. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are story, overall spectacle, Best action scene, the hero, and the villain. Still not in that order. But then there will be the deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. That is all correct. But before we enter our video dome arena, which I'm quite certain has spikes on it, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They get early access to special long box episodes. That's right. If you are a Crusaders Club member, you get to see Jason and I do extra mini reviews for some funky movies like Ninja Mission. (laughs) Yeah, if you look, you might see Jared and I do a couple together. Yeah, we did like Ninja Mission and Time Guardian. And like we did a couple bizarre 80s action films. If that interests you, Along with being able to vote on show content and things like that, check out our Crusaders Club. We'll tell you where to find that in a minute. But these are the folks who are supporting us as of now, and we appreciate it. Thank you for being a friend. Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Lasted our stash at Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. David Collins, a.k.a. The Battle Wagon. Battle Wagon. Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven every minute of it. Mighty Mark Hatherley. Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. Don't squeeze the Jim Jarman. Musical genius Joe November. It's elementary. It's John Watson. John and Maggie. Jose Poyo. Joshua Strickland. Slackers. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P-A-U-L-H-I-C-K-S. Rick from Jeff and Rick present. Captain Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. 
tfu.info. Tim Price. Toronto Cop. And two-time donor Brad Moran. That's right. He re-upped that one-time donation. Thanks, Brad. Hey, if we miss anyone on our list, of course, we apologize. Just keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we'll add you soon. But no worries. Just let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we'll get it straightened out. You might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as a dollar a month. Don't be Jason and you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. I've been typing that entry in here and it says I'm blocked. What's going on here? We'll get back to that later. But hey, if you guys wonder where does your money go, I want to tell you real quick. We put the money back into you guys. We do giveaways, always doing raffle giveaways on our Sunday live stream shows that we do, doing it live stream. We'll talk about where to find that later. And we also put it back into the audio quality of the shows themselves. We've upgraded some microphones for everybody. Yeah, so My that's- mic sounds nice. Check one. <laughs> there you go. Club members. You Crusaders Club members did get Jason his microphone upgrade. If you want to know the difference, scroll back to any Longbox Crusade show from two or more years ago. Listen to the Coke mic. Listen to him now. Money well spent. We appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Longbox Crusade. Well, let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1976, a good year, the year I was born. And I have selected Assault on Precinct 13 by John Carpenter. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? I got 1998 and put into our Videodome Arena Soldier, starring Kurt Russell and Jason Scott Lee. Oh, we've got a fine matchup. Fine matchup, indeed. It's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. So I might like his selection better than mine, which I do. I love Soldier. You'll find that out later. Or vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. According to my research at the time of this recording, which is January of 2021, you can catch Assault on Precinct 13 for free on Hulu and Amazon Prime, and you can catch Soldier for free if you have HBO Max. Otherwise, it's going to cost you the usual three or four bucks to rent. So that's where to find it. And of course... Jason and I are going to end up spoiling the heck out of both of these films. So if you don't want the film spoiled for you, we just told you where to go find them. We encourage you to watch it before we move on, because at the other side of this musical break, we're going to get into it. So we'll catch you on the other side of it. All right, you have been warned. So let me jump in with some quick info on 1976's Assault on Precinct 13. Freeze! This is the police. Drop your weapons and place your hands above your heads. On Saturday, six members of the gang known as Street Thunder were ambushed by the police. On Sunday, the warlords of Street Thunder swore a blood oath to avenge their dead. For the gang called Street Thunder, it is a day of vengeance. It's war in the streets. Oh, Jesus, come on. Come on, I'll give you my money. Just don't hurt me, please. Please. It's terror in the night. 
It's the most shattering assault on a police station in history. Assault on Precinct 13. This is the siege. It's a damn siege. You want to stay here and hold until somebody comes, okay? We're in the middle of a city, inside a police station. They're not afraid to die. Any of them. They want to rip us apart, no matter what it costs. It means to the death. Precinct 13. Cut off. Isolated in the middle of a city. As a human wave of street killers turns the night into a nightmare. going on down here. We can't find the damn thing. A white-hot night of hate. Assault on Precinct 13. All right, your cast and crew is as follows. It starred Austin Stoker, Darwin Justin, and Laurie Zimmer. It was, of course, directed by the incomparable John Carpenter. Here's your synopsis. A large gang assaults a way understaffed police station on its last night of service. Can the small police force live through the terrible siege on their own? Well, no. They're going to need the help of some of the very few inmates that they have in the jail. And they're all going to have to work together to make it out alive. All right, let's do some trivia. Trivia banger number one. John Carpenter has acknowledged that the Night of the Living Dead, George Romero's 1968 classic, was a big influence on this film especially when it comes to the marauding street gang. They're very zombie-like, they're very dehumanized, and they barely even speak. Item number two. And I actually texted Jason about this while I was watching it. (laughs) Assault on Precinct 13 does not happen in Precinct 13. (laughs) Well, it may have happened, it just didn't happen in this film. We don't know what happened at Precinct 13. We can tell you what happened at Precinct 9. That's correct. Astute viewers of the film will notice that this is Precinct 9, Division 13. So there's not an actual Precinct 13 in the film at all. But see, at first, John Carpenter wanted to call this film the Anderson Alamo, which I don't think is a wonderful title. And then at one point, he changed the working title to The Siege, which is a little better. But the film's distributor, CKK, was responsible for renaming the film. And they went with Assault on Precinct 13 because it had an ominous sound. And I got to say, it's a great title. But... There's no Precinct 13 in the film. Mm-hmm. My final bullet is very short. This film was shot in 20 days. They did the entire film in less than wow. three weeks. Holy cow. Bingo, bango, bongo. They got it done. I mean, that was John Carpenter. was lean, mean filmmaking machine. Yeah, he didn't even spend the time to do a find and replace nine with 13. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's it, man. What you got? Well, I will give you folks the rundown on 1998 Soldier. In the future, technology will allow us to explore new worlds and change the way we live like never before. But there is one thing that will never change.
programmed from birth to be part of the most invincible army in history. But like all scientific advancements, they're practically manufactured using DNA profiles. He was destined to become obsolete. More endurance, better hand-eye. It's a whole different standard. What do we do with him? Waste disposal. His training had prepared him for anything. Except this. Now, on a remote planet, a community of outcasts faces extermination. I want that planet secured by 0600. What about opposition? They will be officially classifiable as hostiles. Find weapons and prepare to fight. You have to organize this. For this soldier, it may be too late to feel human. How do you know they'll be back? Because they're soldiers like me. But it's never too late to be a hero. I'm going to kill them all. Kurt Russell. Soldier. The cast and crew included the incomparable Kurt Russell, Jason Scott Lee, Jason Isaacs, Connie Nielsen, and Gary Busey, just to add that crazy flavor to the film. It was directed by Paul Anderson. The synopsis goes something like this. Sergeant Todd was literally made for war. Groomed from birth to be the perfect soldiers, Todd and his squad have never faced defeat until a new batch of soldiers arrive to replace them. Stronger and faster than the aging veteran, Todd is defeated and abandoned on a remote planet. Taken in by the colonizers there, Todd has trouble adjusting to his new life. That is until the soldiers that replaced him show up to wipe out the colony. Then he does what he does best. All right, now it's time for some trivia. A lot of folks don't realize that this film was actually written to be part of the Blade Runner universe. What? Yep, you'll see some mentions in some of the battles that he fought in were also battles that were mentioned in Blade Runner at the end of the film. Some of the vehicles that you see in the junkyard were also vehicles from Blade Runner. In his file, Todd is a qualified expert on the Illidium PU-36ESM. This is a tongue-in-cheek nod to Marvin the Martian's PU-36 explosive space modulator from the Bug Bunny cartoon. supposed to be a kaboom. Where's the shattering kaboom? (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Kurt Russell worked out three to four hours a day for 18 months to get into the shape you saw him in in this film. He thought it was so important to represent Todd physically that Paul Anderson held off filming the movie for that time and actually filmed a whole nother movie, Event Horizon, in that time period to allow Russell his preparation time for the movie. So you can forever tie Event Horizon Soldier like you can forever tie What Lies Beneath to Cast Away. Mm-hmm. Yep. They went made while Tom Hanks lost all that weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, good stuff. I got to say, this is by far my favorite Blade Runner movie, by the way. That's <laughs> a good one. And now that we have the basics for today's contestants, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get 
right, folks, let's get to it. Before we start, you can play the game within the game. If you want to play match game here on this episode, we encourage you to. I have my score sheet ready. We have five categories, two films. So Jason and I can match up to 10 times per episode. He doesn't know my scores. I don't know his scores. Make your bets, ladies and gentlemen. How many times are we going to match? And speaking of scores, let's set your barometer. Five is average. Five means it's okay. It's what you'd see on a pretty decent made-for-TV film. Five means it's fine. Four, three, two, one. Ooh, that's not so good. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now you're talking the hotness. So with that barometer set and match game all ready to go, let's get into round one. I'm going to kill them all, sir. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is your story? Jason, Assault on Precinct 13, 1976. Well, I thought the story was really good. There's a lot of elements in the story that, even though the story is really kind of a basic, small team, kind of Alamo situation, there's a lot of just interesting character arcs between them. And one of the things that stands out at me, and I think this is a good place to put it, is just like the ridiculousness of the prisoners playing the potatoes game to see who's going to have to you know, make a break for it and try to reach safety and get help for the others. A lot of good little character nods that are written into the story, little moments in the story that stand out. So even though the overall plot is pretty simple, you mentioned it at the beginning of your synopsis, a lot of the same feeling as you got for like the zombie apocalypse movies where you have the small group of survivors that are holed up trying to fight off the horde, so to speak. It's just each of these characters had such good little arcs and unique writing to them that I think it really elevated the plot. And so I'm going to score this one pretty well, I think. I agree. It's a simple story. It's stripped down and it heavily relies on character interactions and character interactions. So that's all there is to it. It's not complicated. It's not mind blowing, but it's well executed. What are your thoughts on the story of Soldier 1998? Again, this is really a very simple concept. This small group of soldiers, a squad really of soldiers that have been raised from birth to become the perfect weapons, really, the perfect soldiers, or at least as perfect as you can make human beings, literally robbed from the cradle. They are put through this series of physical and mental tests that really kind of are designed to make them be almost sociopathic in their actions. Everything is geared towards accomplishing the mission. You know, the story itself of them aging and becoming obsolete, it's pretty simple, but the characters themselves really kind of drive the story. So very similar, I think. I think we have two very simple premises between these two films, but in both cases, the actors and the characters really elevate the stories beyond the basic plot. I agree. I once had someone tell me that they saw Soldier as a space Western. And I do see a lot of the Western elements to it of the hero who rides the town and is gruff, but then the town grows on him and he saves the town type of a arc. But putting such a wonderful, wonderful sci-fi action rapper and to see Kurt Russell, who we'll talk about in a minute, step back up as a big time action star was just, it was wonderful. So I got a lot of love for the story here, but you know what? Let's find out the scores. So for our first round on a scale of one to 10, 
how are you going to score the story of Assault on Precinct 13? I scored that one it is a seven. Like I said, the plot is very basic, but I think that the characters themselves elevate this to a seven. There wasn't really a weak character, at least as far as the protagonists are concerned, in the group. So seven for me. Well, we have our first match game because I scored it a seven as well. I thought it was better than average. Real good. Real solid. Like I said, not mind bending. It's not the Matrix, but uh, it does what it needs to do. Let's go over to Soldier. One to ten. What do you got? These are very similar. I scored this one a little bit lower. I gave this one a six because everything in Assault on Precinct 13 made sense to me at some level. I understood why the father wanted revenge on the gang. I understand why the gang wanted revenge on the cops. I understood the driving motivation. The movie did a good job of laying that out. For Soldier, I never really understood why the quote-unquote bad guys were attacking that planet colony to begin with. I was less scratching my head on some decisions that were made here, and it seemed like there are just a, a few more plot holes in this movie than there were in Assault on Precinct 13. I fully understand why they did it, and that's why I gave it an eight. I scored it higher than Assault on <laughs> Basically, just the arrogance and hubris of, well, it's a military movie, right? So you got to hate the officers, right? That's the rule. And that sniveling, weaselly, what was he, a colonel? I think he was a colonel, yes. Yeah, you know, they were out on maneuvers, bringing out the new genetically enhanced soldiers and Oh, well, we found some life forms. Well, let's go wipe them out. They're not supposed to be there. Plus, it'll let us test out these soldiers. <laughs> is it really a test, though? I mean, I don't know. We can sit here and argue this, but... It was, yeah, it's just stepping through the numbers. But yeah, e- either way, I like it a little bit better. I get a lot more emotionally invested in soldiers than I do on Assault on Precinct 13, which is probably why I bumped it up and gave it an 8. That's fair. That is fair. I do. I think I do get a little bit more emotionally invested, I think, in Soldier then. But I think I, well, we'll get to the next one. I'm up anyway. We'll talk more about it here with the hero. I'll be back. How cool is the hero? And we'll start with 1976's Assault on Precinct 13. What'd you think of the heroes in Assault on Precinct 13, Jared? Your lead hero is Ethan Bishop who I really liked and was very likable. You know, he kept a level head. You know, I'm big on leadership stuff. He kept a level head. He he had good leadership in a stressful situation. He was a very likable police officer. Really did a good job carrying the movie. And where the movie really gets going is where you mix in the inmates, you know, especially that dude, Napoleon. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's like the darkest of the dark. You know, he's a killer literal killer and then ethan you know the cop that i like so much he's just a real squared away good dude so he's almost like the lightest of the light and the the dark but they get put in a situation where they got to work together so they become the heroes so it's a very unlikely match but i really like the way that it went i like the way they work together i love the ending how they felt about one another by the end of the film So good character development. And then, of course, there's an ensemble of heroes that are defending this place. But those are your two main ones. I liked them quite a bit. So good score for me coming on that one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the characters in this movie, as I've talked about before, what really kind of set it a little bit above other films in this genre, the character of Bishop, I thought was really interesting. John Carpenter does a really good job of giving us little hints into their character without 
revealing the full story. And it makes us want to know a little bit more about him. So for example, like with Bishop, we knew he kind of grew up in this rough and tough neighborhood. And he's really proud when he tells Lee, you know, I walked out. I walked out on my own and came back as a police officer. Like that meant something. And there's that little scene where he talks about he got rousted by the cops and he wrote something on the desk and it's still there. And they all laugh at it. And we as the audience want to know what it says, but we never get to know. And, <laughs> and Carpenter does a good job of that. And then, as you were saying with Napoleon, Napoleon was really interesting because we don't really know what he did or why he did it. People are always asking him and he doesn't really say. And so that leaves a really good dynamic between these two ends of the spectrum, the cop and the criminal. And the thing about the cop is that he never once loses his sense of duty. It wasn't just leadership. It was his sense of duty. It was his duty to protect that station. And it was his duty to hand Napoleon over to the authorities at the end of the day. He never tells Napoleon hey, you can make a run for it, or I'll let you go if you defend. He's very clear. I need you for this. Our survival depends on this, but it is my job to turn you in. And Napoleon, I think, respects him for that. And in return, actually goes back to jail. And they've both learned something from each other. So it's interesting to watch this arc develop, although we never really know the full story behind the characters, and that's intentional. So I appreciated that. All right, let's talk about the hero's first soldier. Well, really, there's one hero. We know who it is. Yes, we do. And we're big Kurt Russell fans here on the show. Yes, sir. Like I said, just to see him coming at the, I don't know, maybe twilight of his career, is the twilight of his action career. You know, he's getting older, but man, he doesn't show it here. He is in great shape. I think he delivers like 70 something words through the whole movie or something like that, but he emotes super well, even for a guy who doesn't emote. If that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. I know what you're saying. He is at the top of his game. The soldier is one of my favorite action heroes. He's not quite, you know, an Indiana Jones or a James Bond, but he is up there and I'm going to give him a good score. I think I as well am going to give him a good score on this. I'm going to teach you a little bit of English here, folks. Spartans, we call them Spartans today. They called themselves Lacedaemonians, And that's where the term laconic comes from. They, like Sergeant Todd, were born and bred to be soldiers. From birth, they're trained to be soldiers. And so they are known throughout history of saying not much and relying on their actions. And that's what you get from Kurt Russell in this movie. There are just so many moments where not a word is spoken, but you get the message. And I think of when he's cast out of the community after almost killing that guy because he's really experiencing PTSD. He doesn't really know what that is, but that's what's happening. And he's alone. He's got tears in his eyes and he wipes his eyes and he looks at them with curiosity because he's never felt this before. Like he doesn't even know what this is. I thought that was really powerful. And another really powerful moment is the final battle scene. When he fights Kane, you'd expect kind of like this big macho fight between the two. And you get this brutal fight that is almost without emotion till the very end when 
he kills Cain with his bare hands and then gently lowers him down with a look of sadness in his eyes, like he had to put down a fellow soldier. It's just things like that sprinkled throughout this film that just really made me respect Kurt Russell as an actor. And he just really brings his character to life. Well, let's score him. What are you going to give Bishop Napoleon and the others in Assault on Precinct 13? I have another seven to give Assault on Precinct 13. I like them a cut above the average a little more than a cut above. So seven for the heroic group of Assault on Precinct 13. Match game. I felt, yeah, they were definitely well above average. Landon in a solid seven for me as well. What did you give Kurt Russell for Soldier? I gave him a nine out of ten. I considered a ten. I flirted with a ten. I was like, is he James Bond? Is he Indiana Jones? I was like, he's so close, but I, I reined it in and I went with the nine. Well, I have a confession to make because I had originally scored him an eight after watching this movie. But as I was researching the trivia between now and then, when I found out how hard he had trained to get in the shape for that movie, and really his physical presence is what brings that character to life more than any of his dialogue, I upped it to a nine as well. So it's a match game with an asterisk. Because I didn't originally put it as an eight, but I did change it before we revealed our scores here. So I'll let you decide if that's fair or not. Yeah, man. Like I said, I can't see your scorecard. You're dropping nines. So we got three match games out of four so far. And that winds down the hero round. Let's get into round three. Get over here! Round three is the villain. All right. How menacing or entertaining is your villain? How memorable? is your villain or villains. You got some interesting things to talk about when it comes to Assault on Precinct 13 with villains. Where are you going with it? Going back, way back to our first action film face-off. I think it was our first, where we had the Dirty Harry film, The Enforcer. Yep, I see where you're going. And we talked about these guys are kind of cardboard <laughs> I mean, they don't really serve any purpose other than to be bad guys. There's not a lot of motivation there. I will say in this one, I bumped it up a little bit because John Carpenter does a really good job at the beginning of the movie to establish the why they're doing this. There's still not a lot of back history or development of these characters. I didn't really feel like anyone was stronger than the others or anyone's contributions to the film couldn't have been replaced, you know? So I'll just leave it at that. I think that they were pretty average and my score will reflect as much. Same here. We did learn from the trivia earlier that they're meant to be a mindless zombie horde. So I get that, but it's still a mindless zombie horde. Mm -hmm. So let's go to the villainy. Cause there's a little bit here, a little bit there over in soldier. What do you think? Well, I thought the villains here were a little bit, well, quite a bit better, actually, than Assault on Precinct 13, starting off with Kane. Kane's understandable because you understand Todd. Kane is Todd before all the battles Todd has had to fight. Kane wants to be Todd. Physically, he's better, better endurance, better speed, better strength. And he proves it at the beginning of the film. But the one thing he doesn't have is the experience. 
he's trying to prove himself. He's still at that stage where he follows orders unquestionably. And so it's hard to say that he's really the villain in the story. Mm-hmm. The villain of the story are those sleazebag officers that are sitting on their asses back on the ship playing cards and stuff and just sending these soldiers out to basically obliterate this unarmed colony. You have Gary Busey that has some redeeming qualities about him. Jason Isaacs has absolutely nothing. The woman in there, I don't even remember her name, is just kind of Weasley, I guess would be the best way to put it. You know, so the question you're left asking yourself is how evil is Kane? I don't think Kane is evil. He's conducting evil acts, but at the behest of despicable human beings that are given orders from the safety of their command ship miles back. So anyway, that's kind of my rambling thought of the villains. What about you? Same, really. I, I do view Kane more as a weapon than a villain, but you needed to have a good physical presence to have a great fight at the end. So you, know, you got that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, it's basically like, I don't remember when, you know, Michael Jordan officially retired from basketball, but whoever was rookie of the year that year would be basically be Kane and Michael Jordan would be Michael Jordan. And, you know, which one do you want? The the battle-tested veteran who's on his last legs or do you want the young up-and-comer? They both have their qualities, but man, it's fun to see him go head-to-head. But yeah, overall, <laughs> yeah, whenever there's military movies, you got to have Weasley officers. And man, that Weasley colonel was as bad as they come, but I, I think he got what was coming to him. He did. Interesting little menagerie of villains there. I think we should score these things. Let's go back to Precinct 13. And what do you got for the zombie horde of gangland villains? I slapped it middle of the road five. I wouldn't go any lower because there was some motivation there. The characters themselves were memorable. I can kind of like see the faces of a couple of them when they were sitting around the room and doing their blood oath swear of allegiance there. The menace factor was there. Not a lot of character development, so I landed on a five. Match game, which makes three in a row for Assaults on Precinct 13, by the way. I gave it a five. I mean, you could talk me into a four because, I mean, they're just not, they're not a centerpiece for the film. They're yeah. just the thing that happened. I mean, it could literally have been a tidal wave or a hurricane. You know, it was just the thing that they're up against. So, yeah, I gave them a generous five. And that doesn't slide on any of the actors or any of the performances. It's just that wasn't the focus. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Not any dig on the actors. I thought the actors did a good job of what they had of really expressing themselves creepily and, and being a physical threat. They weren't given a lot to, a lot of meat to work with there. No, not really. Let's go into the future and into Soldier. And what do you got for those guys? Well, I'm going to slap a seven on that one. I thought Kane was physically very impressive. Jason Scott Lee was in mad shape himself for that film. He was bumped up, as Dark Web would say. He was <laughs> bumped up. And then, of course, you got the Busey bump. So seven for me. Yeah, I don't. I have a hard time. I don't really consider Busey a bad guy. He was actually kind of the voice of reason. But yeah, that's splitting hairs. We're close. I actually gave the villainry an eight, which is pretty high. I know I had it at a seven originally because I was thinking, you know, Jason Scott Lee did a good job. So you have a good synergy when you add in Jason Isaacs. It's just that slimy. You know, one of the things we talk about in this category is how memorable is your villain? And he's very memorable along with the physical performance of Jason Scott Lee. 
So that kind of put it into a nice blend, and I gave it an eight, which is you know I really can respect that. High. It's high. Like if I took them individually, they probably would get like sixes. But as the slimy backbone behind the brawn and threateningness, threateningness, I'm gonna roll with it. Of Jason Scott Lee, I I came out an eight. What did that happen to Jason Scott Lee? Right, he's around. I don't know. Yeah, he's in one, he's in one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Dragon. I love that. Oh, movie. Dragon is a great movie. Anyway, maybe he'll show up on the show. But hey, for now, that's the end of round three. Well, let's roll into round four, and that is the overall spectacle. How engaging is the film overall? We're going to talk stunts, effects, soundtrack, cinematography, all that good stuff. So let's start with Assault on Precinct 13, overall spectacle. It's very good. A lot of times here on Action Film Face Off, because our randomizer is set between 1970 and current day. And a lot of times I have to get a 1970s lens to go, okay, let's, you know, 70s can't really compare to today. And I did a little bit of that here because it's it's still the 70s limited, you know, they shot it in 20 days, limited budget. It's still guerrilla filmmaking, essentially, on John Carpenter's part. But it didn't need a lot of 70s bump because they kept it moving with the constant threat from the outside, you know, they're out there and then they're gone. And the next thing you know, they're trying to come through this door and they're coming through that door. And now they're coming through this window. You stay engaged. That whole factor of not wanting to check your phone is pretty good. Still, it's limited effects from the seventies, but man, they did throw a lot of bullets around in there. That's for sure. So there's no shortage of bullets and it is tense. I think is a good word for it. What do you got? Yeah. Not much to add to that. I kind of felt the same way. As a matter of fact, They did a remake not too terribly long ago of Assault on Precinct 13 with Lawrence Fishburne and I think it was Ethan Hawke. I went to the movies and saw it, and it's good, but to me it doesn't compare to this one. This one still holds up really well. I love the whole thing. I love the dad and his grief tracking down the bad guys and just killing the one, and that starts the whole fuse. And I love the fact that The heroes never get that story either. We talked a little bit before. Like, they don't even know why this is happening. Like, what is going on here? And all they know is they have a job to do and a duty to perform. And then that kind of sets the whole scene of chaos. And although this was obviously, like you said, filmed quickly, and I'm sure on a budget, they do a lot with the environment to enhance the action scenes of the moment. They do things like speed up the different frames of reference during the chaotic battle scenes kind of in the middle of the movie. They do things like really heighten the tension of those moments. And I'm thinking of Lee in the jail uh, cell area as she has to face off against the bad guys that are coming in the back door and she freezes for a minute and then she gets shot in the arm and that like spurs her into action. So you have that really tense moment and then can we talk about lee for a minute because i want her to be my next wife man she was cool (laughs) she was cool as a cucumber in that that situation they just did a really good job of enhancing the action with between moments of tension different camera angles different speeds of which they're shifting from frame to frame yeah just does a really nice job overall with the spectacle and let's talk about Spectacle for Soldier. There's a little bit. What do you think of Spectacle for Soldier? Definitely a strong spectacle score coming for me on this one. They did a great job 
with the environments from the very beginning to the training environments, to the snippets that we see of the battles of the different locations, to the ultimate set piece, which is the trash planet. Everything has a great look to it, a great production design to it. It's got really strong effects. It doesn't rely too heavily on effects. It just all comes together rather well. Great cinematography, good music. Yeah, very spectacle-laden movie, which is a high compliment, especially to 1998, where everybody was kind of rushing to over-CGI their films. This movie held back from that and paid off in the long run. Yeah, I agree. I think that the CGI is really kept to the minimum. I think probably the most CGI that I can think of off the top of my head was in the opening, like when they're fighting on the moon Mm -hmm. a little bit there. But that actually looked pretty good, I thought. Overall, I think that held up well. We've talked about other movies before, and I'm thinking of, um, how was that one we did with the CGI lion? Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yeah, we talked a little bit when they were in the 90s, and everybody was jumping aboard that CGI train, and then we look at it now, it's like, oh, maybe we should have <laughs> held off a little bit on some of these. I never really get that feel. Too much CGI on this one. You're right. The action elements that there are are well done, mostly real physical stunts, real physical choreographed fights, and it pays off well, and it'll be reflected well in my score, I think. So with that, let's score them. What are you giving the spectacle for Assault on Precinct 13? I'm going to give it a solid seven. I thought it was very, very good. I'd love to expand upon that, but if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's just very, very good. It's very good 70s spectacle. Yeah, I agree with you, and we've got ourselves another match game. I threw a seven on that one as well. I think for uh, 70s action, for the budget that they had and the time that they shot it, they did a really good job. It stands up well today, so I'm very comfortable throwing a seven on the pile as well. What about Soldier? What are you giving that one? I'm going to give that a bump up to an eight. I think it's very strong spectacle. Like you said, I really like the use of practical stunt work and fight choreography. So strong eight from me. I did a seven on this one as well. Reason being, I thought that as I looked at them for their time periods, I think that Assault and Precinct 13 held up well for the 70s. And I think that Soldier held up well for the 90s. Probably not the best in their class, but solidly above average so i threw a seven on soldier as well makes sense to me let's get in round five catch you at a bad time round five is best action scene if you're going to be on action film face off you need to have a really good action scene jason tends to break these down not sure how you're going to break down assault on precinct 13 it's kind of like the movie (laughs) well i'm glad you asked break them down and then we'll pick our favorites and then we'll double back and score them okay so really i broke assault on precinct 13 down into four action scenes the first one is the cops ambushing the criminals at the very beginning of the movie that sets the criminals off on this quest for revenge i called that one Bang, 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 freeze. Still, ruthless people. They got what they deserve. (laughs) Yeah. Can't argue there. From Goldeneye, in case you didn't get it. I did. I did get you. (laughs) Leanne's Cossack. There you go. 
Number two, I'm not even doing a joke here. I thought it was a pretty good action scene where that old man chases criminals down and kills that one in revenge for them killing his daughter. I just called that one Cook That Fool, old man. Heck yeah. Number three, there was a couple like warm-ups where the bad guys were shooting up the police station, but the one that I that I, I really counted is where they assaulted the police station, the real assault on Precinct 13, the first one, where they had to let Napoleon out to defend the police station. They barely beat back the bad guys. I called that one Viva Napoleon. We oui. And finally, the last one is the final assault on Precinct 13, where they're almost out of bullets. They have to retreat down into the cellar. I call that one support your local police because I just thought that was funny. That's the sign that they were using <laughs> right, <laughs> to hold back the horde. So those were the four. Bang, 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 freeze. No joke here. We call this one cook that fool, old man. Viva Napoleon and support your local police. And which one was your favorite? I went with Viva Napoleon. I thought that was just a really good. I love the scene where the cops like trying to break into the shotgun case and he's about to get overrun. Napoleon just gets inside, shuts the door. Door is about to be broke down. Cop finally gets the shotgun up, throws it in the air. Napoleon catches his, the door busts open and he just turns around. It's like, bam, 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 just like ratchets off like six shots in a row and just cooks all those fools in the hallway. I thought that was super cool. I concur. That's all I can say about that. I concur. Loved it. Excellent. Excellent. And that annoying woman got shot too in that scene. So that. <laughs> We're all gonna die. Yeah, you're partly, partly right. <laughs> probably will, but yeah. Alright, let's move over to Soldier. Plenty of action scenes to break down. How'd you do it? I got six. The first one is the montage where they show all the battles is fighting in. It ends with them on the moon, fighting on the moon. I called that one Shoot the Moon. Nice. Number two is when the new soldiers are introduced and they are put through the paces with the old soldiers and they end up fighting on that little jungle gym thing or whatever it was. I called that one It's All Fun and Games Until Someone Loses an Eye. <laughs> up the chain! <laughs> the next one is the scene where the bad guys come to the planet and Sergeant Todd is out there with the lady's husband. They end up getting chased and explosions are going all around and the dude loses his leg and dies in Todd's arms. I called that one, oh no, the <laughs> walking husband just died. Oh no, <laughs> suddenly single. Suddenly single, there we go. Number four is when the soldier... You know what? I want to double back on that. What? The guy who played the husband... Is his last name's Pertwee? Is it Sean Pertwee? Yeah, I think so. He's the guy who plays Alfred on the Gotham TV show. Oh, okay. He's cool. And Michael Chiklis is also in this movie. It's like good TV actors are all rounded up for this movie. Was Michael <laughs> Chiklis in this one? Yeah, he was like the guy that he saved initially. He like made him a scarf, you know. Hey, thanks for saving me, buddy. I didn't think that was Chiklis. Chiklis. Are you sure? Chiklis. Hold on. If I say it the third time, it'll be real chickless. It'll appear in your house. See, Gary Busey, KJ Dodds, Michael Chickless is Jimmy Pig. Chickless. Chickless, you're right. God, I miss that. I like him too. We had Alfred and the Thing. Mm hmm. Oh, yep. Oh, I derailed us. Back to the action. So the next one I call Three Course Meal. And that's the one where 
they send the three soldiers in to just kind of like wipe out the colonizers there. They just don't realize that Todd's there waiting for him. So he like kills all three of them pretty quick. And then the officers decide, oh, crap, we just lost three soldiers. Let's pull back, throw out all the tanks and everything, hit it with artillery, everything we got. We'll go in at night. I called that one. The nighttime is the right time. Mm-hmm. And then finally, that leads up to the final battle. The face-off between Kane and Todd is called My Blade is Longer Than Your Blade or Get You With My Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now, out of all those, what was your favorite action scene? I went with the final one, Get You With My Chopper. That's good. I struggled between that one and uh, what you called the nighttime is the right time. Also good. I struggled as well. He basically killed everybody who wasn't Kane. Mm-hmm. That's the one I'm going to land on, mainly because I love the scene where the guys like they're wading through that hit deep water looking for him. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then the flare goes up, and then and he just like, like comes out of the shadows with his knife and kills that dude through the face. Got him right in the eye, man. I mean, like, and like the great part about it is the first time you watch it, his camo is so good, you don't see him standing there. Nope. And then you're like, oh, oh, what the heck just happened? That really I enjoyed. So that amongst the other great kills that he got, I'm going to give a slight edge to Nighttime is the Right Time, but I do like that last fight as well. There was a lot of good stuff in that Nighttime is the Right Time. We talked a little bit about it before, how he wasn't as strong, he wasn't as fast, as these new soldiers, but his experience. And so he was able to use his environment, his knowledge of the planet. He like kills a couple of them because he's recognized the sounds of when a windstorm is going to pick up. He's able to anchor himself down and like a couple of them just get blown away because they don't literally like blown away by the high winds. One guy gets like impaled by a road sign because they don't recognize what's about to happen. And he does. And he also sets up that little trap where he lures them all in with the firing machine guns that he has firing remotely. And they all like rush the position and then they realize he's not there. But what is there is like six pounds of C4. <laughs> he just like yeah. blows it up. I, takes up like a half dozen of them with that. My favorite thing about him in the windstorm is that he traps them in the windstorm at the graveyard. And that's those metal crosses go flying. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. Like, that's good grouping when you can kill people in the graveyard. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to save time later. That's efficient. Yeah, that is efficient. <laughs> really good, that whole scene. You're making me want to change my mind, but I want right. to stick with it. I'm going to go stick with it. It's, it's a really good movie, folks, in case you didn't figure it out. Lots of great action. But you know what? Let's score them. Let's go back to Assault Precinct 13. We both loved Viva Napoleon, sort of the, the first main strike against the facility where they genuinely had to defend themselves. And what did you like it to the tune of? I thought that the action scene was was really well done. Not just a lot of action scene, but filmed from a bunch of different angles. Weaved in tension nicely. We talked a little bit about Lee in that scene in the prison. Talked a little bit about Napoleon having to fight that dude hand-to-hand and basically chokes him to death in the prison. Then has to run out, hold the door. Talked about that scene. To me, it was really memorable. I landed on a seven with this one. Well, we have literally matched game every round for Assault on Precinct 13. Match game number six overall for the show, but every single round we matched on Assault on Precinct 13. I also gave it a seven. Let's head over to Soldier, where we've only had one match, but we've only been one point apart the entire time. I liked Nighttime is the Right Time, where he kills just about everybody. 
And you know, the great part about it is he calls a shot too. Cause she's like, what are you going to do? There's like, what was it like 17 of them or something like that? 17 versus one. What are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to kill them all, sir. I'm going to kill them all, sir. That's it. And he does. That was my favorite. Jason likes the in fisticuffs, which is really good. If you want to see two muscular dudes beating the mess out of each other. And what'd you score it? The thing that really stands out to me with this fight isn't necessarily the fight itself, which is amazing. The two of these folks are in great physical shape. It really shows well on the screen, choreographed super well. But what really stands out to me is, again, we see that Todd is matched up against somebody bigger, stronger, the newer version of himself. And he is losing. And even though Kane is already wounded and he's a little bit slower and he's kind of hopped up on those drugs, he's still pretty handily beating Todd until Todd, again, uses his brains. And that's we've seen it constantly throughout the movie, through the training. Remember that scene where they're evaluating him and his intelligence is like extraordinary, right? Like well above average from everybody else. And that's what he does. He sets up, even in this hand-to-hand combat scene where he's beaten down and he's leaning up against that helicopter and he looks and he looks at that blade on the ground. Kane sees him and thinks, I'm going to grab that blade first, right? And it's all a ploy to get him lined up for that final helicopter blade down to just kind of eviscerate Kane. To me, that was just brilliant. And then it ends, like we talked about, not with his big chest thumping, I'm the best soldier, blah, blah, blah. The look of sadness in his eyes as he gently lays Kane down, soldier killing a fellow soldier. And it goes back to that scene that we talked about, because remember when she says, we're not cowards, we'll fight. What does he say to her? Soldiers deserve soldiers, sir. Exactly. He's not letting anybody else go out there to take those soldiers on. He's going to do it because soldiers deserve soldiers. I know we've just recanted the whole scene, but I also, there's another layer there of, like Jason said, he's getting defeated in this hand-to-hand combat. And oh, by the way, the hand-to-hand combat's really good because they could have gone flashy martial arts, Jason Scott Lee and all that, but they used more brutal, basic soldier combat. And he's getting defeated. And one of the things that turns the tide as well to where he just won't quit. They both look over and they see the woman and some of the children escaping. And Kane's looking at them with that. Well, when I'm done with this guy, I have to go kill them next. Look. And that's when Todd gets steeled and he just shakes his head. Nope. Nope. Cause he knows if I die, this game over for everybody. Yeah, you're right. And again, that's another scene where not a word said, not a word is spoken, but Kane looks and he looks at Todd for a minute. Like, if you just step aside and let me do my job, this doesn't have to go down. And all Todd does is look back at him and just that slight shake of his head. And it's it's game back on all that packed in a little fight. We just mm-hmm. we just gave you a play by play. You don't even have to see the movie now if you haven't seen it. Oh, you should definitely see it. It's great. Oh, by the way, I gave it an eight, too. <laughs> oh, okay. We did get back to the show. All right. He gave it an eight. I gave the nighttime as a right time an eight. So, match game in our final official round. Good stuff. Good stuff. We love Soldier here on the show, as, as you can tell. That's the end of our official rounds. We only have one thing left to do, so I hand it back to Jason. We are into the deduction round. This is the round for the ridiculous. If there's anything that you want to take off for just things that seem so out of the ordinary or just took you out of the movie, 
Uh, let's see. Can I give a couple examples? Oh, yes. I know one. True lies. Here we go. <laughs> I'm teasing. I won't go down that rabbit hole again. Are you going to take off any points for assault on precinct 13? No, I will not, but I will use it as an adjustment round. I'm going to give it a bonus point. I'm giving it a Tony Burton bump. I've never seen, to my knowledge, that guy outside of a Rocky movie. He played Apollo's trainer, and then he became Rocky's trainer in Rocky Balboa. What a great character actor. You know how much I'm in love with the Rocky franchise. And I've just always liked that guy. I mean, he he is the guy that I think has been in the most Rocky films. I think I read he's been in more Rocky films than anybody with the exception of Sylvester Stallone. And he's great. He's, he's a great actor, and it was just cool to see him in something else. So I'm giving it an extra point. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I'm not taking uh, anything off or adding anything on a assault on Precinct 13. But what about Soldier, Jared? Are you making any adjustments there? No, no adjustments needed. I'm not taking anything away. I didn't feel any need to bump it up. I think everything's well reflected in my score. Definitely no deduction. You know what? I am doing a deduction here. I'm doing a point. Jason's last episode, so everybody tune in. He's not <laughs> welcome back after this. Wait a minute. I'm co-host on the show. I can. I will talk to nobody before I let you subtract points for Soldier. Well, this is the thing. We talked at the very beginning of the show. You and I are both combat veterans, and I've been trained in fighting in my protective mask, in mission-oriented protective posture or mop gear. <laughs> yes, yes. And I can tell you, it is hard, man. It's it awful. Is, it is it awful. Is, it is the worst. Oh, it is the absolute worst. So when those soldiers are on the planet with those protective masks on for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> I, I didn't even think of it. Off, man. I didn't even think of it. Oh, that's all I saw. I was, I was oh, like, you're oh, right. That is so. Yeah, oh, mop gear is so, for those of you who don't know, who who don't have military service. You see, with the gas masks that we're talking, that's what we're talking about: gas masks and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Let me tell you, it is so miserable in there. You're stewing in your own humidity and sweat. That's the time where you're like. I kind of wish somebody would shoot me because I just want some ventilation in this damn suit. <laughs> you can't fight. Everything is harder. Like even getting a sight picture on your weapon, right? Because you are you have your weapon sighted for how you hold the rifle, your sight line and everything. When you put that mask on, you can't put your face up to the rifle like you normally can. It's just everything is harder. Yep. So to yep. make, your, make it that much harder on yourself for no reason, you lose a point. I'm sorry. You know, I, it's a good observation for military authenticity that I never even noticed. You know, I, I guess I always just thought of it as a costuming thing. You know, they wanted the, the nighttime soldiers to look different, you know, so they costumed them. But you're right, man. That is why the hell would you wear that thing? It made no sense, especially because like the uniforms at the very beginning of the movie, when you see Todd's battles. Well, I've never fought on the moon, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I imagine what it could be like. But, you know, the camo patterns and everything look pretty legit, pretty spot on. I thought they looked cool. So I was a little disappointed with how they decided how the costumes went for the bad guy soldiers on the planet in the third act. Fair enough. I think that's it. I think we're done. Time to score them. Okay, yeah, that is it. Now, if you selected seven for your match game pretty high this time around if you selected seven you are the big winner we matched every single round in precinct 13 we were in sync on that film yeah i think you love soldier a little bit more than i did but we're we're pretty close on that one too oh man soldier is a movie that we used to watch on regular rotation 
when I was in the military, when I was, especially when I was at Maxwell, we used to joke about, because you got to go do the timed mile and a half run for your fitness test. Oh, yeah. Say, I'm going to run that thing like soldier, man. I'm going to run that thing like Kurt Russell, where you just, you just that one pace and you never stop, man. <laughs> just boom, 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 boom. And he still lost that race. <laughs> oh, that guy was moving out, man. That guy was on a dead sprint the whole way. I it, felt like that. A couple of my soldiers who could really run, they passed me like that on some PT tests. <laughs> all right. Well, all that's left here is to do the math. And don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with that at home, because we do that for you here at Action Film Face-Off. Looking at the judges' scorecards for this episode of Action Film Face-Off, with a score of 67 to 77, the winner is Soldier. Well, congratulations to Soldier. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen seventy-five. It's older than you are. True. And I will bring a film from. Choose your destiny. Nineteen eighty-four. Hey, that's older than I am. Not true. That's nah, not. True. What will those films be? We'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. A Dave, or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then. I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weaselskull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, aka Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all Yard Sale Artists. Come check out some of my Yard Sale scores and my occasional Yard Sale art. It's good times there. Good times. Good times. And be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, all your finer podcatchers, and even some of the shadier ones. We're everywhere. You can check it out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can hit us up at social media at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We also have our own Facebook account. It's at AFFO Podcast. And if you want to interact with us with live chat, be entered to win some of that free stuff I talked about earlier from our raffles. Join us on our next episode of Doing It Live Stream on YouTube. Second Sunday of every month, we start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click that bell so you get reminder notifications for when we go live. It's fun time we have with the people in the chat. So come on and chat with us, man. It's good times. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until the next episode, keep your head down and your knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Looking at the judges' scorecards for this episode of Action Film Face-Off. Hang on. That can't be right. Oh, yeah, I did the math wrong. Hang on. <laughs> we do it for you here, but we just don't do it right. <laughs>
We do the bad math for you here at Action. <laughs> Laurel! 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 <laughs> I screwed that up. Here we go. Checklist.